0: And welcome back to the RinkWise podcast. I am your host, Evan Marinovsky, and today I am joined by the new, our big free agent acquisition, Patrick Donnelly. Pat, what's up?
1: What's going on? Making my podcast debut. You are. This is exciting. No rookie lap today. Yeah.
0: We don't believe in rookie laps. We're like the Bruins. We're equal playing field. It doesn't matter your experience level, but very excited to have you on. How have your first, what is it? Has it been three
1: weeks now? Honestly, it might be like a month on the dot. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been busy. Well, like busy getting into the swing of things. Yeah. Calling coaches early on there, five calls a day. <laughs> like, all right. Um, but yeah, we're in the swing of things. Season's here. Excited to get going.
0: Yeah. No, it's, I'm excited to see you get going. Um, cause you had a great story, uh, like your second week on why Massachusetts, yep. uh, has been so effective at developing girls hockey players and it's very interesting because a lot of those girls are in prep school um and it was a fascinating story just how uh mass does it right with the girls side now obviously on the boys side that's something i think we're probably going to get into in later episodes mm-hmm. in the spring when things uh, open up a bit but what did you notice uh, i know this is girls prep but it kind of does tie into girls prep. what did you notice kind of in the in how mass develops uh, girls hockey and what you learned
1: yeah so i mean a lot of it has to do with kevin cavanaugh and ed bourget were both awesome to talk to Yeah, story great people and both of them kind of just echoing along similar lines where it's there aren't many like maybe Minnesota oh, obviously Minnesota mm-hmm. is up there. yeah but other than that there's not many places around the country that have the amount of club teams local youth teams training programs the level of coaching like just Massachusetts especially considering proximity for the entire state it's really just one of the best I guess breeding grounds for for that sort of thing and Ed was saying how Really, unless, like, obviously you got to account for if you're coming from, like, the Cape and the Islands. But other than that, like, you can probably get to anywhere in the state within, like, two hours. Oh, right? yeah. Especially if you choose a central location like Worcester, Marlboro. You can probably, most teams and players can probably get there within an hour, any point in the state. So you're really able to get best on best competition. Players are able to. there There's just plenty of options.
0: There, there are. And I think that's one of the things that, like, I really took from it, in that I think on the girls' side, there isn't as much competition around the mm-hmm. country for, to, to, to get those, to get that talent, right? We yeah. see on the boys' prep side, a lot of the higher end boys' prep players leave at 15, 16, yep. 17 to go to these junior programs around the country. And I just think that on the girls' side, the, the way that Mass is doing it and New England as a whole, seems to be doing the right things and i think you you sort of see that uh in the prep world cuz i think it's it's been very 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 prevalent so today we're going to get into the top 10 girls prep teams and so just kind of to start how was it coming up with this top 10 list what was the what was the fun what was the not so fun what was it um, like
1: so so the not so fun is like full disclosure i'm pretty new into the prep, prep <laughs> yeah. world and i can tell you who the usual powerhouses are and stuff but You know, when you get into the nitty gritty like this and you're like, you're hemming and hawing over, oh, is four too high? They should be, should they be six or seven too low? Should they be five? Like, it's like they're going to be in the top 10 and really outside of maybe one and two. I feel like any of these teams could have gone anywhere in the top 10. So that was that was the not so fun part. Just like ugh, who, who's this guy talking it, about our team? No, that's exactly. Um, but that you know what? It's
0: it is what it is, and yeah. you're a smart person. And I have full confidence. In it. But the big thing is, like with any top ten list, and you know this, like it just changes so quickly. Yeah. Like this this will this list the boys prep list boys on my girls on my any list. I mean, we could power rank NHL teams right now, and it would change within a week. Yep. And I think once this season starts uh, on both the boys and girls prep side, there's going to be a lot of change. And I think that's what makes it fun, is like these teams are constantly trading places you know nobles isn't going to fall out of the top 10 but they where we have them on the list now they could slide down three they could go up two they go up four so i think in terms of lists it's always fun and and you know what the best part is when you see people at ranks and they're like oh you're not gonna rank us in the top 10 huh we, we're not good enough to to crack your 10 but it's I, I always love that because it, it means people care which is the yeah, yeah. which is the most fun thing but you know you hit it in that in that last part to, I think to everyone, it feels like number one is pretty clear in this.
1: Yeah, and I feel like you see that in any poll. You gotta you gotta tip the cap to the the defending champ. It, I mean, in Williston, it, they're they're gonna be great once again mm-hmm. either way. But last year, twenty seven zero and one, their only blemish was a, a tie, and they they lose Emily Crovo, who's a freshman at Holy Cross now playing, but they still have. They're pretty much their top linebacker. Monique Lyons, Nora Curtis, Violet Carroll, they combined, I think, Krista Talbot-Seifu set for 132 points last year. Ah, that's so, not bad. Yeah, that's decent. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, and, and Lyons set a program record with 50 points. So, yeah, pretty pretty decent. You have some really all-world players coming back. And then on defense, you have Caroline Offiero. She's committed to Clarkson. They lost experience, especially in Crovo, but they bring back so many heavy hitters of, la- of the last two teams that won NEPSAC titles. That it's hard to not put them on.
0: Yeah, to me they feel like a favorite. It's so hard to win three in a row. It's hard to win two in a row. It's hard to win one. but it's really hard to win two, and obviously it's even more hard to win three because the teams under Williston, and we're going to get into it more, are. Stronger than last year, I think, and are more apt to challenge Williston and Phillips. Andover was great last year at 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 challenging them, but Williston. I mean, you mentioned brings back those players. I think in a situation like that, where that that culture of winning is there, it's really hard to take them down. And I think they're going to be. I mean, they're the easy favorite to me.
1: And and you know, a lot of what we talk about with prep boys, boys side, girls side, it's you know, experience matters so much. Mm -hmm. And, And even though. You know, some of the returners might not be the headliners that some of the other schools have. They have that experience of winning back-to-back titles, of knowing what it takes. And obviously, Krista's a great coach, so she's going to have them ready to play.
0: That's the big thing, I think, is the—and ex- and you you nailed it. It's experience. So you do know what you're talking about when it comes to prep, which yeah. is good. But you're right. I mean, it, the experience—like, talent is one thing, especially, like, younger talent. Like, we mm-hmm. all we always fix it in the air of talent. Oh, who's coming up? Who are the 08s? Who, yeah. are, who, who are the who's 09s? Committed. Yeah, exactly. But it's also, like— to to win, to go deep, like even on the boys' side last year, Avon Old Farms, their top players were all seniors. They'd all been there for three, four years. So Williston re, uh, going for the three-peat, becoming a dynasty, the 2000 Patriots, or the 2000 Patriots, <laughs> uh, would not surprise me or surprise anybody. But as I said, there are lots of teams below them who look poised to Take them down, potentially. Number two, who do you got?
1: Yeah, number two, we got Phillips Andover, runners-up last year. They were 24-3-1. and one. Some significant departures. We just talked about experience. They lost eight seniors.
0: Yeah, that's a lot.
1: That is a um, lot. That is a lot. But when you look at who they have coming back, whether it's we talked about the USA team a couple minutes ago, Molly Boyle um, on defense, Caroline Averill, and Maggie Averill, who's going to be a freshman this year. Mm-hmm. And Maggie is one of the best defense prospects in the country for her birth year. Caroline has it could be maybe one of the best players on NEPSAC this year Molly Boyle's obviously committed to Yale she's been doing her thing for quite a while at Phillips and they've just been knocking on the door for a couple of years now feels like that this year could especially they lost that that leadership but with just those core headliners in place they could just be in line for another step
0: that's the thing and and what's interesting what they've done I remember last year sitting here with Stephanie Wood and we were kind of going through the the top 10 and Phillips Andover was at eight and Stephanie was like, "That's that's the team that is that's a sleeper team. They are going to compete. They are going to move up, and they did. They got all the way to the elite eight final. And that's kind of another example. And the Averill family. I mean, my God, they are pumping yeah. out some really strong hockey talent. Yeah,
1: Ann's playing D one at Dartmouth. This yeah, year as a freshman. Just no end there. Yeah,
0: they're the Hugheses of the <laughs> of the mass um, hockey. Yeah. And it's fascinating to see because – and I think that's really one of the cool things when you see these families. And you see it on both sides, you, especially at the prep level. You see even like I know on the boys' side, like the Isermans. Mm-hmm. I mean they all – and they're more spread out. But yeah, I mean the Averils have had so much success. Molly Boyle is a stud. Yep. So to me, I agree with you. I think Phillips is probably most definitely poised to – and I think also like – if they get back to the championship, right? Let's, let's play this game. If they get back to the championship in the Elite Eight and they're facing Williston, it's very hard to go to the championship two years in a row and lose. It's yeah. almost harder to lose two years in a row than it is to win two years in a row. Yeah. So I'm curious if they can get back what they can do to Williston. Yeah.
1: I mean, we talked about experience and. In- when when we've talked about pro hockey in the past, yes and we talk about we put there's so much emphasis on oh, you gotta figure out how to lose before you figure out how to win. Exactly. So maybe for that core that last year, that experience last year is just what they needed to sort of set them over the top this year. That might be it. That might be it for Phillips. Number three, who do you have? So I have Tabor, nineteen four and two last year. Eric Long has top goal scorer, Lizzie Greeley coming back, top defender, Caitlin Sullivan, Addie Peskowski So again, sorta of like Andover, they were a pretty experienced and older team last year, but they still have pretty much their core players coming back. Juliana Goffredo, um, Eric talked about, is someone who was really good last year when she was healthy. Injuries kind of knocked her out up, off and on last season. She thinks fully healthy for, season for her as well as Whitney Dacco. And then they have a couple newcomers out of Groton, Elizabeth Jacobson, and out of NMH they have Avery Olsen. So adding some experience there. And they'll both have some opportunities to step up in the crease.
0: Getting used to the transfer portal, yeah, uh, which is which is great. It's interesting. Tabor went down in the first round of the elite eight last year to Nobles, and I always find it interesting. I remember on the boys' side talking to Cushing last year, and Cushing had a really humiliating loss. This they lost two to one to Nobles, not really humiliating. But uh, I remember Cushing lost to Avon, uh, or it wasn't Avon. It was I think it was Avon. One of those teams two years ago lost like five nothing in the first round and it was really humiliating loss really really bad and they were just so hungry to get back and to to avenge that and I'm curious if like Tabor lost Nobles was a five seed last year they were a four it's not really an upset per se just because it's 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 a four and a five seed it's hard to exactly march madness with the four and five seeds but I do think that they they seem to be and you mentioned the returning players coming back the newcomers coming in that's a team that I think is poised to potentially go deep and I think is a strong candidate for number three I think the team that is best or most likely to get into the top 3 that isn't there now is the team you have at number 4.
1: Yeah, Nobles, 23-6-0 last year. You don't want to say last year was disappointment, but you know, just for all the By su- their standards. All, Yeah, all the success that Tom Reesers had there and they lost in the semifinals albeit I believe it was to Williston, so you lose to the team that wins. It was one nothing. It was close. Tip your cap. Um but, you know, they still they lost Brooke Manning last year. She's at Harvard now, but they have again some key pl- Key players coming back, Molly McCartan, Callie Brown. They'll be kind of in the mix up front. And then on defense is the big one, Olivia Mafio, mm. or Maffeo, who's going to Boston College. And she played forward the last two seasons, led the team in scoring with 35 points. But, you know, she plays defense for club team. She is committed to BC for defense. And so she's going to be sliding back there. And so Tom's kind of hoping that it'll not only help the transition game, but also just spark the offense from the back end a little bit and – it shouldn't be an issue for her because she's been able to produce from the back end for club all year, um, and then the net they still have Zubkowska, um, right? Yes, yes. Um, she's committed to Brown, mm-hmm. um, so obviously when you have a D one commit and goal, that obviously you know that sett- settles things <laughs> down for you and that you makes also, things easier. And you, even with with Mafeo on defense, you have Jamie Griswold who's also committed to BC. Yep. So Nobles is again um, kind of like Tabor, Phillips, and. And Williston, they have those headliners in place. It's just a matter of if they can take that next step to replace a player like Brooke Manning.
0: And I think with Maffeo, like, it's interesting because she was up at forward the last two years now on the on the back end. And I think that could be a potential X factor for them in terms of yeah. crea- offensive creation. But also, again, instead of her maybe scoring all the way, she's going to be setting up a lot of yep. teammates. Yep. And I think players up front, those girls are going to have higher point totals because you have a really good passer getting the yeah. puck to you and everything.
1: Yeah, someone who can... Not only lead the rush, but quarterback the quarterback the blue line, take care of the power play. Shouldn't be an issue for her, and, and she's been like like I said, just producing no matter where she's been. It shouldn't be an issue for her.
0: No, it shouldn't. And the other thing you can't discount is Tom Reeser is a coaching legend. Okay, yes. this a guy who has yes. it has gained the respect of everybody. Had enormous success. I mean, Nobles is a powerhouse in large part due to him, and you can't underestimate. How much those girls want to play for him? Yep, and especially in his final year, you did a story on this to the magazine. They yep. they really want to win this. Send them
1: out with one more.
0: Oh yeah. So what? Did, and what did you take away? So the magazine isn't out yet it is almost out so by the time people are listening this we're recording uh november 20th on a monday so we are not uh, it's pre-thanksgiving by the way we should should get into some thanksgiving food (laughs) talk that's what we should do but this is more important uh for nobles i mean what did you 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 did a story on uh research final season what did you take away from that or sort of your your highlights from it
1: yeah so i talked to not only tom but brooke manning and emmy o'leary and just um o'leary's at princeton right now she was captain two years ago what just the overarching takeaway from them specifically was that, yeah, he has all this success on the ice, and he's created a powerhouse, but the real difference maker playing for him has been just how much he cares for his players off mm-hmm. the ice. And one of the, not, not to spoil the magazine here, but there's a great story both of them had, and it was like, just I them what what comes to mind first? And it was, they both had the same story right away. Wow. And it was two years ago, maybe three years ago, they were playing in the Elite Eight title game out in Worcester, and... He couldn't be there he had a wedding to be at like they like told him the day before because they found out what like they were playing and stuff he's like i'm not gonna be able to make it and so they're in the title game there was back and forth game i think they're up five four in closing seconds and doors to the rink fly open and it's it's tom Reeser who sh- assuredly broke traffic laws to get because <laughs> i don't know where the wedding was but he had to take a flight and landed it must have been Logan made his way to Worcester to be there for, like, the final horn of the game. Oh, my God. And, like, the whole bench and place is going nuts. So that was just kind of shows who he is as a person. And Brooke Manning also said that. He had taken sabbaticals last two springs, but still came back for graduation. Mm-hmm. So it's really just, you know, the, the on ice success is what it is, but really what he's done off the ice at Nobles.
0: I've had this conversation with Stephanie Wood a bunch. I feel like you can drop X's and O's as best you can. Yeah. But to get players to play for you and care about you, yep. and you have to care about them. And yep. I think that's, I think he embodies that a lot throughout his time at Nobles. But yeah, it's a good story. I don't want to act like I haven't read it. I freaking, <laughs> <laughs> I did read it. Um, Number five. So we're rounding out the top five now. It feels like we're getting into very much. People could go anywhere five through ten. Who do you have five?
1: Yeah. So five, I have St. Paul's. This was again one of those. Oh, they could be four, the six, seven. Is, so be <laughs> anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so they have. Um, you know, they made it to the large school championship last year, won it, and it was, I think, it was nineteen eight and two overall last year, and. Really, the second half was when they just came on. It was They went on a 15-3-2 run. And so now they, obviously, the, the natural next step is to get back into that Elite Eight mix. So Kelly Mackey has Allie Martinello coming back in net. She was huge for them down the stretch. She took home tournament MVP, shutouts in the semis in the championship. And then Cammie Bell mm-hmm. back up front to lead the skaters. She's won back-to-back Loomis medals at St. Paul's, which is their top female athlete. Um, wow. Yeah. So pretty impressive Kelly Quote called her one of a kind athlete, so special player there. And then they add in some experience. They get out of Williston. They get Ava Hunter. So again, it's sort of that natural progression. You win the large school title. You have that experience of winning. Now get into that elite eight stratosphere
0: that's interesting that Ava Hunter transferred from Williston considering and I think it's also a big addition because this St. Paul's team has won a large school championship yep. but you're bringing someone on the roster who's won an elite eight um, so I'm very curious to see how that goes down but yeah our Ellie Martinello and Nat I think is you mentioned the difference maker I think yeah. having you look at a lot of these scores in the elite eight in the elite eight tournament and even the large school and the small school these are not high scoring games these are very defense heavy goal tending games games i think to have someone like ali and Ned, i think probably bo- boosts their chance at uh, getting an elite eight bid come, yeah,
1: come march just settles everything else down like yeah you know you don't have to worry about your goaltender everything else just falls i mean place. look at the bruins
0: <laughs> i mean <laughs> makes
1: the, makes things easier number six you have kent yeah we've kent so nineteen four 0 they made the elite eight semis last year new coach this year sam fatorix mm-hmm. from kimball union and so they they're kind of in a similar boat as St. As Paul's, where the the core that they're bringing back Lauren Ferrari's back. She was the security blanket last year. Hell of a last name, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they they have the headliners up front. Mia Montanari's committed to RPI. Megan Duplantis committed to Dartmouth. You have on the blue line Sophie Russo's back. Elizabeth Bonner, Caitlin Pierce, who plays both forward and D. Mm-hmm. And so you know when you look at whether it's a fresh voice for Sam Fatoric who. Says, calls himself a player's coach. Loves to win, hates to lose more than anything else. Um, I've never heard that from a coach before. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's pretty new. Right? But yeah, you have that, like we said, fresh voice. You have the goalie back, which is the huge thing. You have your headliners up front, Division One talent. It just feels like they could be... Again, elite eight semifinals last year could be in line for maybe a deeper run.
0: Yeah, I think Fatorik adding him is is really good. I think yep. it's smart. I mean, he comes from Kimball Union, which is a great background, a great program, both mm. on the boys and girls side. So, I think that matched with just kind of the players they have up front. That's why to me like when I look at this, and we're going to get into seven, eight, nine, and ten, and, and everything. But when you look at this this landscape, Williston is the favorite. It's they're the elite eight favorite, one hundred percent. But I mean, any of these teams, good goalie with St. Paul's, and Nobles has the Reser effect, his last season. Mm -hmm. I remember on the boys' side last year, Paul Canada announced his retirement uh, in January. He was dying to leave, and granted, it wasn't preseason, but... I mean, those guys played for him so hard; they were the number three seed in the Elite Eight, and yep. we and they were not in our top ten <laughs> before the season started. <laughs> so, I think I, I think there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of teams that I think could be in the mix, and that leads us perfectly into number seven, which you have Loomis Chafee.
1: Yeah, Loomis is one of those teams where I felt like they might have could they could have been higher. Just what we talked so much about experience. So Liz Leiden's team, fourteen seven and four last year, made the Elite Eight quarters. They have five seniors, five juniors, and they had. I think she said it was seven freshmen last year who all played pretty significant roles. And obviously, mm-hmm. they have that first-year experience under, them, under their belts. They are expected to take a step this year as sophomores. And they have four of their top six coming back for forwards. Top two scorers, Chloe Obzer and Grace Moore are back. On defense, they have Megan Hosman and Carly Dan. And then, whether it's the captain, Emma Hanna, or you have both goalies coming back, Layla Fournier and Adeline Roper. Both of them played last year. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, another one of those key pieces and every you, have, you don't have to worry about your goalies. You have your defense headliners. You have your top two scores. It just settles everything in around the roster.
0: Did you get a sense from from Loomis on who will be the starter for them? in that? Or are they going to platoon? Like, did did they kind of give it? Or did they just say, oh, it's both? It's they're yeah, going to see who takes it. Kinda,
1: it'll be both probably to start. Ah. Played last year, or so. But yeah, it just with that experience, especially five seniors and five juniors, and especially you have. Hosman and Katie Collins, who both played at the U18 Select Camp mm-hmm. over the summer, just that, again, national development program talent really should settle things in nicely.
0: The other thing with them is, like you mentioned the seven freshmen, obviously they're all expected to take step forward steps forward, but even if like three or four do, to have three or four sophomores who are legitimate producers and legitimate, they, they always kind of give something to the team— that goes a long way, and that also helps with that future core yep. of Loomis. When you're ranking them next year or the year after, I think they're going to start to move up these rankings even more than number seven.
1: And some some of those sophomores too that that I mentioned, like some of them were also at the U.S. 15 camp or yeah. the 16 17 camp. You have Lindsay Stebnowski, Annie Schwartz, and and Bella Zalesi, and. Liz Lydon's really, really excited to see the step that Annie Schwartz can take this season.
0: And it's cool for her to develop that talent and to kind of get them in her hands and get them in the next steps of their career. Number eight, a team that is no stranger to our top Mm ten and no stranger to being a force at the girls' and boys' prep hockey side, Dexter Southfield.
1: Yeah, Dexter, another one of those teams that made the Elite Eight last year, 17-5-3 on the year. They fell to Kent in OT. And so they they lose Amelia Lynch and Ainsley Moulton. They're both playing D one this season.
0: Yeah, Ainsley Moulton um, was great last yeah, year. I remember.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about just the last few teams having the goalie figured out, and you use yeah. your use you your Division one caliber goaltender. But you know, Maggie Javerna still got the the talent coming back. Some of their top scorers, like Brenna Hines is back. Impact defender. You have Elena Dunn back in the fold. Maddie Murphy, who just committed to Boston College, is in that sort of USA stratosphere too. It's again one of those you have those key pieces in place. And I think
0: it's Dexter has that culture of we're going to be good. Yeah. We're always going to find a way to be good. Yep. And I think that's, I think that's why to me, I think you have them in the perfect spot. Lose the goalie, but you still have pieces there. You're still Dexter. I, to me, you have it in the right spot with, at, at eight, or at least in the bottom three. Groton is an interesting one. You have them at nine, because they have yeah. a prospect that I think could be one of the, and It was already a breakout star last year, but I think really could take a next step this year. Yeah.
1: You always have those teams that you're, you fall in love with as a bit of a sleeper. You, yeah. don't, you don't want to put them too high, but you don't want to put them too low. But yeah. Groton. I think this might be. It for you, yeah. This is probably it. Groton was eighteen four and four last year. They went to the small school title game, mm-hmm. but just the the pieces they have coming back. Specifically, Tina Scalise, yeah. Tim Leroy, Tim Leroy calls her a program changer. She as a freshman last year, forty three points, twenty three goals. That's
0: crazy. Pretty, pretty good.
1: <laughs> Maddie Cronin's back. She had thirty four points last year. Defense. They have Kira Lie, who's committed to Harvard. Veronica Hadamowski and Net was one of the, the best in New England last year with a nine fifty four and she's still looking for that D one offer somewhere. So she's motivated to have another good season. But really Tina Scalise as a sophomore is who we're going to be focusing on
0: and i think a lot of colleges are going to be focusing on tina scalise this year too because she's a sophomore now and once that i think it's the same on the girls side once that january 1st deadline hits they can start to reach out i think i'm correct on that yeah i
1: I know she's her games are already being watched by colleges tim said yeah Um, but yeah just just with the potential there as a team that kind of scratched the surface last year in small school title game but you have all these returning pieces coming back especially cronin lie and then the goalie again. We talked about how important the goalies are, and it just Scalise, just what sort of season she, what what sort of leap she can take.
0: And I'm year. sorry, but a 954 save percentage, she should absolutely be getting college looks. Which yeah. I, I'm guessing she is. I'm yes. guessing she yes. is. And I just think you're. So you want Groton's your sleeper, right? Yeah, that, that's Groton, it.
1: Gratton's that like the preseason darling. That I like you, that. that. Not the not to keep using NHL examples, but. After they had that run in the bubble, everyone was like, oh, my God, the Canucks are here.
0: Um, <laughs> hopefully they're a little bit better than yeah, the Canucks. Yes,
1: yes, yes, hopefully. They're i are going to bring I in Rick Tockett. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, very excited to see... What sort of step Groton can take this
0: year? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Cause you, you nailed it. They have, they have the exciting talent up front. They've got solid defense, but again, the goaltending, I think it's going to be key for them. So yeah, Groton, I would not be surprised if we're, cause we're going to be doing these podcasts a lot throughout the season. Mm-hmm. So this one little thing we're tweaking this year is you and I are going to come in here. I think it might be every week okay. and discuss kind of boys prep, girls prep. We'll do some MIAA as well, just kind of what the big storylines of the yep. week are. Um, I would not be shocked if we're sitting here in, like, mid-January. It's, like, freezing cold out where, you know, we're, like, all layered up. And we're, like, yeah, Groton has moved into, like, number four. So wouldn't shock anybody. And then number 10, you have uh, Milton.
1: Yeah, Milton fourteen eight and two last year, and they're they're sort of like kind of like rotten. They're just on the up and up here, mm-hmm. where they made the elite eight for the first time in program history last year. They have the Harrington Holiday Tournament every year, and that's always a, yep. that's always a hard schedule. They were runner up last year, their best finish. So Ryan Stone really just has them going in the right direction. And but we talk about the experience. They they lost eight seniors. That's, that's that hurts. Yeah, that's not insignificant, but. Sneaky, and Ryan talked about it, she's really under the radar. They have their top scorer, Rebecca Whiteback. She's mm-hmm. their number one center. And then for, impact forwards like Christina Sweeney, Julia Gooden, Susanna Ward on defense. And then they get a junior transfer out of N- NMH, Ashley Clarkson. And then both goalies are back, Laurie DeGuyre and Ava Scannell. Laurie kind of took the reins towards the end last year. I think Ryan said Ava battled some injuries, but had they gone further in the late eight, it probably would have been Lori's net. But, you know, both goalies saw time last year. Both goalies played well. So they know what they're getting there. They're going to start in a platoon. And really, it's, again, they lose eight seniors, but they have, again, the headliners back. Becca White is a huge one.
0: And I, and I, you, so your story on Milton for the website ran Monday morning. And it's, it's they, and, and they talked about, Rhinestone talked about this. They're not a flashy team. Yeah. They don't have the, the, the can't miss prospect, but they have a lot of good, solid pieces that, get you into a lead eight contention
1: yeah and they have that sort of mentality that um they i guess need to play with i guess and he has them playing with the right way where you know we're just going to outwork everybody mm-hmm. it worked last year um and even then like he talked about how again as with the isl the harrington tournament how just difficult the schedule is where you know the first nine or ten games are huge but even then if it doesn't go ideally out of, as perfectly out of the gate your schedule is so tough you still have a little wiggle room and some grace where as long as you figure things out you should still be in a good position to make the turn
0: were there any teams that you wanted to include in this that were that just missed i know you just started so i don't want to put you in a position where you're like oh i had five teams or no but did you have any teams that you were that you were mulling over that that didn't quite make it yeah
1: i had bb and n in there Mm -hmm. just kind of in the mix obviously we talked about ed bourget already they're kind of always just around and they'll they'll be in the mix again this year yeah but those were those were kind of the ones i was i was really focusing on and then bb ended, ended up not making the the official 10 mm-hmm. but they could have they could have been in there too
0: and then you had another story in the magazine morgan mcgathy from uh, thayer and, and how good she's been and what, what was that story like and then and, and how did you feel about it
1: yeah i mean so i talked to brandy fisher bailey at thayer at I talked to him since he's developing a Mass, development director at Mass Hawk. He Talked to Morgan. He's done
0: a pretty good job with her. Yeah, done <laughs> a pretty good job.
1: Um, yeah, She's just just a name to know. She's yeah. committed to Harvard, very much just a rising star around here. And everyone, when you, when you get a prospect like this, whether it's boys, girls, everyone wants to talk about well, elite shot, elite <laughs> skater, but both Ed and Brandy both were just like, she is the hardest working player that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And even like, Ed said when he first met Morgan, like, she was, like, a, a, she, was a di- she was a dynamic player, but she's really taking her skating to another level here, mm-hmm. and um, he also said, you know, her shot, just because she's a goal scorer, she had, I think it was over a goal per game at Fair last year, maybe 20, 27 and 26, something like that. That's not bad. Um, yeah, <laughs> decent. Um, almost a goal per game with the Wizards, too, it might have been, like, 28 and 29 games, some, along those lines. Uh, just... Ed just raving about her release, her improved skating, both of them raving about her work ethic, um, just seems like they've got a real shining star here.
0: Yeah, that's a prospect, I think, that everybody's going to be talking yeah. about again this year, and I think is going to be a big focus of a lot of coverage. Uh, so that's the top 10. That's, I mean, that's a good solid list. You, you, I don't think anyone would know that, that it was your first <laughs> month here, but it was, no, it's, it's interesting. And I'm, I'm curious to see how it develops. Cause again, I feel like one, two, three, four are pretty set. But yep. I mean, Grott, I like Groton as a sleeper though. That we're going to have to clip that for Twitter. You know, <laughs> Groton is it the sleeper team this year. Do you want to make an Elite Eight Championship like matchup oh, prediction? Do I, do, do we, do we want to do this? Do you have one? If you don't have I one, don't it's don't okay. I don't have one,
1: but just I'll, for entertainment purposes, I'll go Willison's back for a third straight year in the Elite Eight Championship yep. game, mm-hmm. and Nobles is trying to give Tom Reeser one last ride.
0: Ooh, I like um, that.
1: I don't know who I want to pick out of the out of that. I think just for the storybook we'll go Nobles. Yeah. No, um, I like that. Don't yeah. pick the number one but team. Yeah, for the storybook we'll go Nobles. But again, any any of these teams I could see just making a run, especially like we said, that top four. I, I
0: agree. I will go one and two. I think Williston and Phillips it's a rematch. I think okay. it's like it's, it's like the Super
1: Bowl this year. I yeah, think yeah. it's gonna
0: be like Eagles Chiefs again. Mm-hmm. I think this is gonna be Williston Phillips and over again. And Get if I that. and if I had to pick if I had to pick, Williston's just so good. I, I gotta go three Pete there. And I think that's gonna be, uh, I think that's what's gonna happen. But again, would not be shocked to see Groton jump in that mix. Or what you said, Nobles. I mean, for, we're in the business of we want the best story. Yeah. Nobles would be the best story be the with Reiser in the final season, at least to to that story basically write itself. Not saying that everyone else would be a bad story. Everybody <laughs> else would be a great story. I don't want to hear from parents well, and ranks like, hey, "Oh, you think we wouldn't be a good story winning the thing?" No, I think you would. But I'm just saying Nobles is just a elite with Reiser leaving.
1: Yeah, I mean, think about Groton Their their name is the it's the zebras. Who yeah,
0: really <laughs> want to see
1: the zebras win. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. I would love.
0: They need a zebra mascot on the ice. Yeah. You know, we got to really go all out for an elite eight championship. But yeah, that's a great top ten. I think that was an awesome conversation and we're going to transition over to overtime david Yaz, our producer always has the great questions what's up Yaz?
2: oh not too much great to be back here for another session of overtime and pat this will be your hazing ritual <laughs> yeah this <laughs> is <it>. <laughs> welcome for uh, the rinkwise podcast <laughs> so far you've been doing uh, all right he's all he's all right Evan. he's I'm okay sorry, we'll guess. keep him around But uh, in this edition of Overtime, we will have three questions for each of our panelists. And today, we're going to play a little rules trivia, hockey rules trivia. Oh, God. And so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I won't be so cruel to Pat as to make him go first. Evan, you get the first question. All right, hit me with it. Here it is. A player leaving the penalty box notices that the puck is coming his way as he's exiting the penalty box, so he puts a stick on it. At the time, he's got one foot in the box and one foot out. Is this a legal play or not?
0: I think he has to have both feet out of the, out of the box, right? That's illegal.
2: That's oh, there we go. absolutely right. Yes, well done, Evan.
1: I'm not great with rules. I I remember that so much just from the youth hockey days, kids coming out of the box. Oh, pucks, I'm just going to stop it with my skate. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
0: Right back in the box.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) This one for you, Pat. A goalie loses his stick. A teammate picks it up, as he will do, to hand it back to the goalie. While the player is holding both sticks, the puck comes by. He makes a play on it with his usual stick, then proceeds to hand the goalie back his stick after that. Legal play. Yes or no?
1: Oh, I'm gonna go yes since it's with his usual stick. I've question. never seen that. I've never, I, I've never seen it either. That, that. For the brief moment
2: when the player is holding both sticks, he cannot attempt to play the puck or interfere with a member of the other team. The That's reason, interesting. It's the reason is it's illegal to play with two sticks, which is <laughs> why nobody's tried that before. But that was a tricky one. I, think, yeah. I like that, Evan. It's to you. A player standing next to his own net. Catches a puck that has been deflected into the air. He lowers the puck to the ice. But before he gets to the ice, he actually tosses it to a teammate. Legal play, yes or no? That is legal because it's your own zone. Absolutely right. Very good, Evan. Yes, just kid knows a thing or two about hockey. Well, that's
0: the thing. When I was on defense in the puck again, I could just throw it to a teammate. Whereas if you're in the offensive zone yep. or the neutral zone, God forbid you touch the puck, and it's you know the best is when two people when when like you teams in the offensive zone, they drop the puck or they catch it and they throw it down, and then the other team just stands there waiting for the other team to touch it. So it's a whistle. I, <laughs> I always hated that, but yeah. So,
2: well, very good. Evan has a commanding lead, but Pat, secretly, I'm still rooting for you. <laughs> it's not over yet. Okay. A team pulls the goalie, and the opposing team shoots on net, so we're looking at what's going to be an empty net goal. But there's a player in the penalty box from the opposing team. He's still got 10 seconds left before he's allowed to leave the box, but in desperation, he leaves early and blocks the shot. What is the call? <laughs> what is the call in this? Uh, oh,
1: I've never, so, This is another thing I've never yeah, seen before. No. Well, I mean, you could say too many men, but I feel like they'll award the goal. Um, That's
2: absolutely right. There you go. Yes, (laughs) under this this rare circumstance, the referee can award a goal. So you can score a goal without the puck ever going into the net. Isn't
1: that the same if you throw your stick? If you throw your stick or if they have a breakaway on the net, you hook them from behind. Yeah. They skip Um, the goal. That's as far as the research went on that question, so I don't know. But I'll, I'll <laughs> tell you.
0: I'm still missing that empty net, by the way. So
2: that <laughs> I'm still shanking it wide. I think that With for the purpose stick. of this, they have. <laughs> the I think stick. they have to conclude that the puck would have gone into the net. I think. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. This one goes uh, back to Evan. There is one color of tape that is illegal for a goalie to put on the knob of his stick. What is it? Oh, I
0: don't know. Is it black? No. No, white's definitely final, fine. Final answer? Yeah, it's black. I'll say black. Black is oh. correct, actually. I say because I've never seen a goalie stick with black tape. Yeah.
2: The reason is, were the knob of the goalie stick to be covered in black tape, it could be confused for the puck during a scramble around the net. Ah. Final question, Pat, and it is the most fun question on the board. Okay. Let's say there's an instance where the referees don't show up for a game, they got caught in traffic or something. <laughs> they check for the alternate referees, also not available for the game. In this rare circumstance, who refs the game? Oh my god!
1: When you just... Oh, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know the home coach. Eh, no, you
2: need you need you would need to be even on both sides, okay. right? So who yeah. who who else might who else in the building? It's <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It's not a fan. Okay, oh. Evan, you want to go? No, I'm going to let him continue.
1: Okay. Not a fan. But so that could be a coach, a player, um, a timekeeper. Uh. I think you said player. That's correct. Okay. Well done.
2: Yes. So I, would say I was going score, to scorekeeper. I was going to
1: next say backup goalies. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's not a bad guess. Yes. In fact, if the referees don't show up and the alternates aren't available, then each team can appoint one player, and those players officiate the game. Ooh. It actually happened one day in 1983. A snowstorm. Delayed the arrival of refs in a game between the Whalers and the Devils with only one official on hand and no qualified substitutes. New Jersey's Gary Howitt and Hartford's Mickey Vulcan were told to don the stripes. That must have been weird. Wow. Imagine, imagine that
0: happened now?
2: Yeah. Or yeah. imagine
1: like not calling a hooking penalty, like when your teammates get hooked and you're like, oh, <laughs> shit. <sweat laughs> <or, laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Or not going to get a penalty and you're like, no, dude. <laughs> That, well, uh, wow. Well, technically
2: Evan won the game, but we're all winners here. Yeah. On, uh, <laughs>
0: Pat's podcast, a winner. We're winners because so. we have Pat.
2: That's why we're winners.
0: Yeah. That's interesting though. I, some of those, those were like, remember those math questions you'd get on tests where it'd be oh, like, yeah. like Jimmy goes to the store and gets 42 cans of paint and that, and it's just like goes on, on. those yep. are some of the, like some of those rules. I was like, Oh, penalty box. Vo- how does a penalty box have anything to do with the empty net? But it, it's a real rule. So good for you.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's some of this stuff. I guarantee it absolutely never comes up, but that's what makes it fun. I like the, the idea. That, the
0: I like the idea that you're in the penalty box and about to score an empty net goal. and You're just I can't let them do it.
2: I gotta gotta <laughs>
0: Leave the box and jump in front of it. <laughs> I like that.
2: Yeah, the only uh, parallel I can draw is, is the NFL. Every once in a blue moon, you'll see like in a college game that the. the the coach will like trip a player Mike Tomlin (laughs) Mike Tomlin Tomlin did it you're right Mike Tomlin (laughs) Tomlin did it um
0: but anyways uh that was a great episode power happy to have you it was a a great time uh what can people look forward to from you uh over the next couple months
1: yeah so I mean kind of wrapping up this week we got our end of uh girls prep previews and then, then we're getting into the season um just getting ready to excited to see some rinks get out to some games um eat at bad pizza places around you know, the rink try try the rink fries everywhere <laughs> yeah um yeah
0: yeah no i i when i first started last year i was like oh i'm gonna try a pizza joint within like a mile of every rink and i got a couple down and then it was like i'd leave the game so hungry and have a bad slice of pizza it's like a waste of money waste of calories so i stopped but i i think this year you and i should coordinate on something food related i yes. think we need yes. to like we need to st- set a rule like if we we'll go to a place gonna have something from a rink so if you guys want to give us advice should it be pizza should it be fries what should it be we will we will take that i know that someone from framingham Framingham high assistant coach eric libby and one of the players i forget who it was tried something in every rink i forget what it was and they ranked it and put it on twitter and i was like okay. that's a great idea yeah so I, I gotta go dig that up but yeah it's going to be a lot of content this this winter, yes. a lot, and a lot of podcasts as well. So that's Pat Donnelly. I'm Evan Marinovsky. This is RinkWise, a Siemens Media production. You RinkWise listeners have a great rest of your week.